Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast Podcast, brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined by Nate Weitzer. He's on the East Coast, and we are looking at the end of the week here with a nice slate of 10 games for us on Friday to close things out. Actually, nine games. We have one more cancellation on that Dubs and Mavericks game, but we still have the other nine to play with here. So we've got best bets in this video, and then we've got another one up with play up props. So make sure to subscribe to that page and continue to follow along all season with us. Also head to the lines.com. Use everything that we have up on the site right now, including that prop finder tool under the NBA tab there to make sure you're getting the best juice back on all of these books that bets that you are making with these books this season. Nate, I think we uh, can say that we're going to end this week with a little heater. If we stay up like we did last night, a total of six and three on the night, right? Yeah, it would have been a really good night if the Kings did not continue to shit the bed at home. But, you know, we move on here to Friday. I'll take the Lakers at home. Uh, there's a couple ways you can play this. You can take the minus seven. You can take Lakers money line plus under. But I think the preferred bet here for me is Nets under their team total, 110 and a half. This is a Nets team that's just been a wounded duck since they punted a game against the Bucks. I don't know if this is a cause or effect, but, you know, in their last nine since then, 171 against the spread, 7-2 and two to the under, scoring just 105 points per game and playing slow at a 94 pace. They've been one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league, 30%, uh, but they've been depending on free throws, seventh highest percentage of their points off free throws in that span. And the Lakers give up the fewest free throw attempts when they're at home. Their weakness is usually the three-point shot, but they've been playing better lately held OKC in Dallas on volume shooting under 30%. And that's why they won and covered both of those home games with a veteran team. You love to see that they're home for an extended period here. It's the third game of a five game homestand. Also love to see that there's a buffer game. If you will, they play the Blazers in two days before they get the Clippers again. So otherwise you'd think about this as a trap spot. Uh, but the Lakers when they're home 14 and seven to the under by six and a half points per game. Uh, and they got hot in early to spend in December when they had a bit of a homestand, held five straight opponents to 109 or lower. Two of those were in the IST, uh, well, one at home and then one in Vegas against Indy where they were just lights out defensively. And we've seen a bit of a hangover since then. Uh, but I think they've kind of it was a wake up call when they got blown out by the Suns at home, run off their home floor. We've seen excellent defensive effort in their last two. I expect to have to continue against a Nets team that's 0-10 against the spread in their last 10 road games, and they've only topped 108 twice against the the lowly Pistons and lowly Warriors defense without Draymond Green there. So I have no respect for this Nets offense to to come in and break that trend. I should have realized that you were also going to be talking about the Nets when, I mean, the only person that thinks they are as stinky as I do is you, and, and you think they're stinkier than I do even. And you've been on it for, since the jump and pretty much fading McHale in, in a lot of ways too, like not having a, a dominant score like they thought they were going to have. Interestingly, both of these teams are really bad against uh, isolation ball. But, you, you know, looking at it, like there's a n- number of defenders for the uh, Lakers who are just not really it, in- including obviously guys like D'Lo and, and even this season so far, Austin Reeves has been a bit of a turnstile at his position. But they have one guy, uh, which is was Torian Prince, and and that's all you really need for uh, for him. And then you know Cam Thomas can do his thing, but he's really seems like a really good future. His future is big stats, bad team guy kind of thing, right? And empty calories kind of stats guy because he's just going to keep pulling. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with that uh, all of that obviously, and I'll just go right into my bet because it's a, a Laker a Lakers same game parlay here where. I'm going to just t- tweak their line here to get it down to minus four and a half for the same game parlay and then get D'Lo to make two threes and LeBron to get 20 plus points and go plus 138 on DraftKings. 
Um, Brooklyn, for what it's worth, pretty decent around uh, defending the paint uh, a lot when Nick Claxton is in. And even when Dayron Sharp comes in, they're both like, even when they played some minutes together at times, they're they're not bad. They're good, actually, at limiting points in the paint. This is a different beast. Like, the Lakers are still going to come in with dominating the rim, going towards it. Uh, and, and predominantly AD and, and LeBron James. And so, you know, the reason I, I picked LeBron instead of AD in this one was just, this is really also where this team is vulnerable. Like they're surprisingly, you'd think that they would just be really good at guarding the forward positions and they're not, it's really where they give up most of their points, especially to small forwards or, you know, just elongated wings. However you want to describe LeBron James, he's his own archetype, obviously, but it's that sort of player profile of big wing who can shoot. I'll say LeBron, whenever he sometimes gets hot, more importantly, he doesn't rely on it. And he hasn't been, he's still only at about three and a half, uh, four, three point attempts, over the last like 20 games. So uh, he's still going to the rim and getting to the free throw line as well, which is what I think will be available to him in this one. So um, the, the deal bet I really like his points are really high. So I guess the books are on exactly what I'm on, which is obviously Brooklyn gives up a ton of points to the point guard position. They give a ton of points up to three point shooting point guards and give up the most threes to that position. Um, and just a lot of threes in general. It's not a, a shot that they're good at defending. And this is the guy who shoots those threes for him, right? So you might look at him and Austin Threaves as well in his props because of the same concept. He's at 14 and a half points. I don't hate that if he's in there for, for the majority of the game. But Torian Prince is going to be in there for a lot to defend Mikhail Bridges as we talk about. Um, he is going to be the best option and, and pr- predominantly only option if you don't want to throw at, like an AD or a uh, LeBron on him, which I don't think you want to. So that he'll be in there. You might look at him as well. But with D'Lo, like he's actually been going off last season, I, this recently this season rather. And I, I kind of wonder if he's auditioning and they're giving him minutes for a trade because he's been the, the centerpiece of, of most trade rumors that are coming up for the Lakers. We know they need a lot of help. As I keep talking about how they only have one solid wing defender, right? They're going to need some help there as well. Cam Reddish hasn't really been proving his his worth uh, on the defensive end as we, people might thought he would. Uh, and so they're really giving up a lot of points in, in the wrong spots right now, uh, which is why Torian Prince is all they've got, right? So D'Lo's two and a half three-pointers made at home right now is much better than the 1.9 that he's making when he's on the road with pretty much the same attempts, five and a half attempts or so, wherever he is. But the last six, like I was saying, is where he's gotten a lot of these minutes and why it's like getting close to trade deadline time. And you start to think about these things because he's at 31 minutes a game, which is up from about 26 prior to this last six game stretch where he's been playing that much. Uh, and he's got 20 points a game on that uh, in that stretch with eight three point attempts where he's making three and a half. So three and a half is a lot like I, I, three is a lot because he's shot six or seven threes here and there. Right. He's got at least six in those last six games. So I feel good about him going two for six, regardless. It's the the three for six that you start to be like, okay, this is more of a coin flip than the two for six. So let me just dwindle this down a bit and get it to two based on what I I think the attempts are going to be for him. But all of that is boosted up by how bad this Brooklyn three-point defense has been and and continues to be. Yeah, and and just bad in general when they're they're on these extended road trips. Uh, I mean, like a 124 defensive rating out uh, on the road against the Western Conference this year. That's I'm a little scared of the under for the game because of that, and I'll just take the Nets under. But, you know, that means Lakers to cover a, a pretty good spread probably if they can just maintain their focus. And I like, you know, taking LeBron and not AD against Claxton here. Uh, that's probably the one Nets defender you really worry about. Right. Mikel Bridges has been taking on too big of a load offensively. His defense is not there. LeBron will get plenty of, of opportunities against Cam Johnson, who's just – 
you know, not 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 a great defender at this stage yet. Um, not strong enough to deal with LeBron if, if he's motivated. So, uh, yeah, like like the parlay you put together here. I, I just got to say about Cam J, like he's a power forward who wears a loose fitted like white shirt underneath, like T-shirt underneath his thing because he has no muscles to show off at the power forward position. So, yeah, LeBron's going to eat trying to hide it hide his weakness yeah yeah um so here's the same game parlay for the sixers mb 30 plus points maxi 20 plus points sixers win gets you plus 120 um i mean you can still get you know minus 130 maybe if you don't take the win because i think that's maybe the the most concerning point of this year at orlando orlando coming back home after a really poor stretch on the road but they still don't have franz and i still don't trust paolo to just carry an offense by himself against a pretty good defense. They're one and four in their last five since Paolo exploded in his, in that, in that um, first, you know, role in that sense. And he has not covered his points prop in any of those games. Um, the Sixers, you know, the, the, the magic defense is still elite. Sure. Against the three again in transition, allowing assists, which to me is the key here. So it's like, it's time for two unstoppable players who don't need assisted field goals to just go off in the mid-range, in the half court. That's exactly what the Sixers have been doing. They have the highest unassisted field goal ratio in their last four road games. Uh, it's because these two guys do their thing. Maybe, you know, Maxi gets a DHO and takes it all the way to the basket. Uh, but, you know, he's not depending uh, on some sort of system. Like, it's just when Embiid's out there, he scores more because he's able to just get more space and get more runway, right? He has 20-plus in eight straight with Embiid, averaging 27 a game. In that span, the two guys account for two thirds of the usage for the Sixers here. Um, and, and Embiid, I, I I don't want to take his rebounds again. That was the thing that burned us a couple nights ago mm. against the Nuggets because on a back to back, Nick Nurse clearly wanted him on a corner shooter to give him rest, and he got no rebounding opportunities because of that. He didn't put him on Jokic. You know, probably bounces back here in this different matchup against the Magic, and the Sixers have a little extra rest, right? Two plus days rest. You love that for Embiid. Obviously, he's going to score on the road. He's averaging thirty-seven and a half points per game, thirty-nine percent usage. He's at thirty-one in eight straight. Uh, he had thirty-one in four straight against the Magic, then only twenty-eight last time out, but still a forty-one percent usage his last five against this team. Like every other team, they don't have any answers for him. So I love it with the extra rest here and with these two guys just handling massive usage. Yeah, for sure. Points, points, points for, for those guys. Uh, I, I would say Embiid, you know, it's 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 not a terrible matchup for him. I, Wendell Carter Jr. is back, and so is Goga Batadze. I, I say all this. There's nothing I could say that would really justify ever fading <laughs> Joel Embiid this season. There's nobody on the planet that can guard him or do anything with him. He's he's established a seven to like twelve foot jump shot that is wet. It's nearly sixty percent. Like, what are you supposed to do with that man when he's also seven foot three, two eighty, and can roll to the basket from that same position? Like once he gets it and starts his shot fake, right? Which is also him just lining up the shot. It's beautiful, beautiful to watch. Uh, and yeah, if, if, if I don't know what's gonna happen with this MVP, we're gonna have to do an MVP video very soon because I want to continuously talk about this stuff with him. But either way, I support everything you just said. You don't need to hear anything else from me. I, I don't believe yet in this Orlando team without Franz, they're already bad enough at offense. And these two dudes, Franz and Paolo definitely took a step forward offensively in a way that hides these blemishes. And they're, they're very obvious uh, when, when one of them 
is out. So I, I don't like Paolo to have to do it all once again in this one, which we'll talk about a bit more in, in play of props. But let's talk about the other, uh, well, the other. This is the marquee game. This is what we thought the finals were going to be last year, the, Nug- the uh, Nuggets and the Celtics in Boston. So that's really what this is all about, is in Boston, which means Boston at home and Denver on the road. So I'm going to go over 119.5 on Boston's team total. Do you have a bet you like more than that before I even go into my spiel with this game in terms of a side there or, or, or the total? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm with over for the game. I would consider nuggets a plus six and a half. Uh, I just, I think there'll be a way to compete here with the streak on the line. You know what? Two of the last three have gone to overtime with, with Mm -hmm. Boston's streak on the line at home here. It's like three of the last six or something like teams are coming with it. So yeah, I wouldn't expect Denver to get run off the floor here. Definitely. Yeah. Not run off the floor. Uh, this is what a brutal back to back for them too. Right. In, in terms of, uh, the, the Celtics and the, the 76ers, two of the three best teams in this conference, but, um, either way, I think the, the Celtics will be ripe for points. I do agree with the, with the over on this one. Like I, I that was my very first thought and, and things seem to, to justify it in terms of the, the numbers that you look at, um, for, for Boston specifically, like it's just, it's them at home, man. And, and this isn't going to be the same type of team that they can beat by 40, but obviously, but they have gone over in seven of their last 10. They've actually hit 120 twice in that time frame. Um, so it's interesting because hovers right around 120 and a half for, uh, for the total here on some books, but I, I still would prefer the over for them. The unders were against really slow choppy teams and then just a blowout against the Spurs where they didn't play, you know, everybody or, or anybody for that long either. Um, and, and their pace is up at about 98 in that time, 124 and a half points per game. Obviously, there's a, a, like a 140 piece in there as well that helps all of that. Um, but the, the unders are, are pretty explainable, and they're still above 115 when they're not hitting 120 against defenses that have been much better than what Denver's been on the road. I mean, Denver is slowing things down when they're when they're on the road. They obviously like to run teams out of the gym when they're in in their altitude, you know, high, their uh, high altitude there. But still, it's like they're still playing at like slightly slower pace on the road. Still, like their defense isn't good. Their offense isn't great either, which is what scares you. Like it's 112 points per game on the road. Big difference between uh, what they've got the 120 at home, which is what we're seeing like with a ton of teams this season they're one of them but I, I think Boston just either they come along with Boston or they don't and that's why I really just like Boston because even though Denver's three-point defense has been really good it's still just like for for Boston it's going to be somewhat of a maker maker miss situation for them and I don't like their the rim protection for Denver where they are vulnerable enough uh Joker's been better uh, and continues to actually seem to get better each year in terms of defending the paint but Chris Dapp's going to pull him out, which is what we've seen, right? He's going to be standing much closer to the three-point line and not trying to back Joker down necessarily, but hitting a bunch more mid-range uh, and being able to pull him away from the basket, which is kind of how you beat this team uh, against center with centers that are a bit more versatile. So uh, the ISO ball as well. That's that's the last thing I'll say. If you look at the type of plays that are that you are capable of being Denver, it is the uh, the points per possession that they allow on ISO plays. Denver allows the sixth highest points per possession. They have a pretty high frequency in that range as well. There, there are some mismatches that teams like to exploit and, and they, as a result, you know, Boston third highest frequency of ISO plays. We, we know what their MO is when it's get one of these do, two dudes in space and have them go, or, you know, even now we've just got space. It's just pace and space. So I'll, I'll continue to take pace and space for Boston and, and their offensive rating staying high, their points staying high and getting to 120 tonight. Yeah, the Nuggets have given up 125 in their last three road games here, and that's despite playing at a 92 pace at Philly and at Golden State. Like Celtics are one of the, those few teams too, where you say like maybe the pace is is in the low 90s, and they can still score so efficiently because of the three point shot and because. 
their ability to get to the rim, get to the line. Um, yeah. And, and then there's what I said, which is the, the home streak factor con- contributing to maybe a close finish, you know, and maybe an overtime finish and free throws down the stretch that would help you get over this total, uh, you know, you said back to back for the Nuggets, but they've been off since Tuesday. So it's, I mean, well, you you mean back to back matchups? Yeah, of course. But you know, and the Celtics rested guys against the Spurs on Wednesday, so it is both teams coming in prime for this matchup, um, which I, I hope would help the offense because they're so efficient, uh, rather than gear up some sort of defensive effort. Yep, hundred percent. All right, Nate, let's keep it going and get right into your first play of prop for tonight. Yeah, I'm going to buy low again here for Kevin Durant, 25 and a half points. And the juice is much better at MGM, minus 110. Other books have it at minus 120 or higher. Um, This is basically a play to say, look, in the first games with the big three, Durant was deferring. He was trying to get Beal acclimated. And then he says, screw all that. Uh, When they came back from 20 plus to beat the Kings, he had 27 points on 31% usage. Beal down to 13 points, 18% usage. Book struggled with 16 points on 21% usage. And the matchup is tougher for both those guys tonight against the Pelicans backcourt that's just so feisty, so nasty with Dyson Daniels, Alvarado. They might throw Herb Jones at, at KD, and I certainly respect Herb's uh, defensive acumen, but it's not the same kind of like in-your-pocket physical defense that I think those guards can can put on the other guys who are, you know, both kind of tasked with being the point guard here and KD should be tasked with being the scorer to to try to keep pace with this Pelicans team. I thought about just taking the Pels here at at a, basically a pick 'em. I I do think they'll win the game. Like they're they're just playing better than the Suns at this point. We shouldn't buy into a, a quick three-game win streak for the Suns. But you know, if they're down, that just means KD again trying to will them back. He has had success against Nola, 32 and a half points per game on 40% usage his last two when he was with Brooklyn. He's on two days rest here. Surprisingly lower usage, fewer points this year on on those situations. I didn't look into like whether it was competitive games or not, but his splits are insane. Like 58, 50, 93% when he has extra rest, much better than in general. His splits are better when he's playing these Western Conference games versus the East. And you look at a larger sample last season on two days rest, 28 points per game on 60% field goal shooting. So, I, I I mean, what do you want to say? Kevin Durant to get 26. Certainly, if he wants to do it, he'll do it. I mean, what do you want to say? Kevin Durant, if he wants to do it, he'll do it. Uh, no. It seems logical to me, as you're saying, like, th- this would be one spot. I guess Herb Jones might give him some run for his money. I mean, you, you, you have a lot of guys you can throw Herb on in this game. There's three dudes, right? So, I, it all makes sense that... There's not enough to go around to defend KD uh, in this one. So I'll let you have KD. I'm going to go under here with Paolo uh, at 31 and a half points and assists. And this is really, you know, jo- Joel's back. So it's just not a good spot, I don't <laughs> think, for for Paolo. Plus, you've got a lot of guys back for Orlando. And so even the the usage or the potential assists or all that kind of stuff and all the volume stats for Paolo, they're going to drop because they were missing Wendell Carter Jr., Jonathan Isaac, and Markel Fultz. They missed Goga uh, Batadze as well for a game. So there's everybody's back except for basically Gary Harris and um, and still Franz, right? But once again, Franz being out hasn't really helped Paulo outside of the first two games that he played without him this season when he played against Atlanta, awful, and Denver, anomaly, where they shot 47% from three. So uh, the, the continuation of him going under as he has in the last five 
seems only more likely with more dudes on the floor. Like it's not like these dudes are necessarily taking uh, like the attention of the defense more. It's really just about like, where is Orlando scoring from? And it's going to continue to be going to the rim and who is standing there, right? Joel Embiid. And interestingly, like Joel has far and away, he and Jay Randall at this point, Jay Randall is now playing big man uh, with, with Hartenstein, but those two dudes have the most field goals against them attempted within five feet because they're both coming over and helping so much as well. And mostly Joel is like getting all these field goal attempts against him, but it's not even that his guy that often that's shooting the ball down low. It's just, he's literally uh, uh, going up to attempt to defend everything. Right. Um, And so that's going to be where Paolo continues to go. He shoots 35% of his shots inside of that nine foot range. He's always going to the rim. The three pointers have continued to dwindle because he's always got at least two guys on him when he's that far away from the basket, because he's one of the only dudes that they're worried about. And none of these guys coming back are shooters. They got all of these big, long rangy wings to come back. And if Paolo's going to get assists, it's not going to be from getting down low and then having open stuff down low. Like the Philly is great down low. That's where they're going to keep pushing you out uh, and actually funnel you away from the basket. I don't love that D'Anthony Melton's not in because he's a really nice, like, um, double team defender out on the wing when if he's not the primary on on Paolo which he might have been at times he also would have been nice but we're gonna get plenty of uh of Toby on him uh and then like I said Joel coming up and helping so that's not gonna be there the uh potential assists like I said are also gonna go down they went down last game after he got a bunch of those guys back as well um and they lost to uh they they went under there right was that the Hawks again yeah they went under yeah. against the Hawks again that and, as we called their 210 total in that one uh and he yeah he, he actually hit a, a last second three to get the cover on the game which we didn't need um but it is the only reason he even had 25 points because he was at about 22 before that right poor hawks betters can't can't get a cover no matter what uh three and 15 against the spread (laughs) uh but paolo this has been a cash cow paolo unders since he went nuts yeah under and five straight like you mentioned and once again gotta throw out the bonus bet which is paolo under 26 and a half points sixers money line plus 140 ish that has been uh, our most reliable bet over the last couple of weeks. Money it, the, the Magic pr- almost certainly cannot win uh, if they don't get Paolo to get over 26 without Franz here. And like you laid out, yeah, there's going to be too much rim protection and too much. Yeah, I mean, don't sleep on Ubre's ability to jump to jump in there and double team as well. He's got right. he's got a long wingspan. Tobias Harris doing a great job individually, uh, you know, helping limit Tatum in a couple matchups. Like I think he he can limit Paolo as well. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Tatum, though, Aaron Gordon over 14 and a half points. He's got to get down there and punish Jason Tatum. A true power forward is AG uh, and a dying breed, that is. But Tatum <laughs> plays power forward on the other side. And the best way to, to limit his offense might be to just try to capitalize on that. Uh, I mean, Gordon did drop 17 and a half points on 52% shooting against Boston last season. 17 in general points per game against the East. You look at just like his game log against contenders. And I mean, he came up short of this at Utah because they got blown out. But he, that's eight of eight of the last nine. Otherwise, against what I would consider contenders, he's gone over this points prop. Uh, he's gone over his points and rebounds in seven of the last nine as well. I don't know if I want to add the rebounds because the Celtics just make so many shots at home and we do like overs here. Uh, but in his last three since that blowout at Utah, he is scoring 17 grabbing seven rebounds, shooting 64%, and he's a plus 26. It's just such a beautiful interior game with Jokic. Uh, The Celtics are going to be 
keeping their eyes on Jokic, of course, uh, and they're just a little more vulnerable at the four than the five with, with Porzingis out there. They've allowed the fourth most rebounds to power forwards in the last seven and their bottom 10 in, in points allowed in that span. So I'll take AG to capitalize on that. I like it. I I, I don't know 100% that Tatum is going to be the one guarding him. I kind of think it's going to be Jalen Brown. I don't, it doesn't matter. Like one's longer and, and, and taller, but skinnier in terms of Tatum. One's a little bit shorter and stockier, but not as strong as Aaron Gordon. Uh, Aaron Gordon, as, as we know, famously, I think it was either last season or two seasons ago when uh, LeBron James felt the need to come at him and be like, you're not the only dude in the league that lifts, bro, because he actually got LeBron's attention for how strong he is. That's an, a nice indicator that like Aaron Gordon can probably beast down low with JB or JT, either one. In fact, last year when they played in the regular season, they didn't even put either of those dudes on him. They had Rob Will and Al Horford in those games. So they could put one of those two on him because that's how strong he is and how much he wants to go down low and bang. And like you said, he needs to he needs to punish these dudes and he can. He can go up against them down low and, and he should. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm always going to be, be happy with that in this type of matchup for him. When Aaron Gordon has like an actual enemy that he can go up against, right, and conquer, then he's much better than when he gets pulled away from the back basket and is a little bit less effective so I, I like sticking with the points though because on off on defense he might get pulled away from the basket to not be able to get those rebounds quite as yeah. much if he is guarding a tatum or a, uh, a jb on the the perimeter so i'm with just the points on that one let's close it out with under points for mikhail the destroyer who is really plateaued as far as where he's going to probably end up being in the the ranks of like offensive you know a top t- tier player right like he's not there it's 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 definitely below that tier um, and I think we, we've proven that. So this matchup, not really sure, is going to be a, a good one for him. And, and he has been on whatever the opposite of a heater is. Um, he still has, over the last month, averaged 20 points per game. Um, but that's that's a lot of volume, to be honest, because he's shooting 26% from three. And he is getting to the free throw line uh, a bunch, 6.2 free throw attempts per game. He has given way a little bit to the mid-range monster game because Camp Thomas is taking all of those mid-range shots with uh, the fourth highest percentage of his shots from mid-range. And Mikhail's slightly below that, but point is he's going to the basket a bit more. He's getting like, like those six free throws are huge for him getting those points. And LA, the Lakers have been awesome down low, especially limiting free throws uh, in the top five in terms of limiting free throws to their opponent each game, the free throw rate and all that. Uh, Mikhail has gone under in seven of his last 10 and the uh, only gone over in 11 of the 40 games this season. But his prop continues to not fall um, because he's still seen as the, the top scorer on what I think is perceived as like this fast paced small ball offense and it's not this is a bottom eight paced team in the in the nets the lakers they've been playing very fast but i prefer i like i like an over for their points and i don't know that the nets are going to come along for the ride i would venture to say they're not um we we talk about i talked about in the best bets video why the uh lakers have been not that good against uh, isolation ball which is what the nets do as almost as much as anybody in the league is just ISO these guys. Obviously we have ISO monster in Cam Thomas and Mikhail's just plays right off of that. Uh, but there is one defender who is good at that. And that's Torian Prince who has a nice individual defensive rating uh, and is the dude you throw on the other team's best player to shut them down. So th- that would be the only dude that you're, that can actually defend the ISO ball, which is going to be Torian Prince um, who like should be getting a good amount of minutes if you want to look at some stuff for him. But I, I don't think that Brooklyn's going to come along for the ride necessarily in this one. And even though shooting guards, which is what I would consider Mikhail have had a decent time 
uh, against the the uh, the Lakers as of late. Some of those dudes like Booker, Beal, uh, even if you wanted, ever you want to consider James Harden, Paul George, these guys had good games against them. Uh, Mikael Bridges is a lot. Paul George did not, I should say, and Mikael Bridges a lot more like a Paul George than he is a smaller shooting guard who really relies on being quick and slithery, which is why you can put Torian Prince on him, which is why guys who are considered small forwards, whatever you you know, player profiles of that type, they don't do well against Torian Prince, and that's who's going to be on him. Yeah, and then you have Anthony Davis lurking behind Prince if he is going to go to the basket, like you said, and just not shooting well from three. So I don't know where the points are going to come consistently from Bridges. And he's also listed as questionable with a shin injury here. Right, he's he is the Iron Man with the longest streak, so he's probably going to play through it. But that's got to affect him. So you love being able to take an under on a guy who's going to play through something that maybe a lot of other guys would sit out. Um, and, and, you know, he's going to play at less than full strength against a defense that, as, as I mentioned in best bets, is, is, has been locked in over the last couple games and, and probably will continue to be. Yeah. Man, what a dumb streak to care about if you should just sit out a game and rest your shin. Like, it doesn't seem to be working. But at any rate, that is all the time we have for you guys in play a props to end the week. Go ahead and subscribe to that page. We also have best bets up, so make sure you check that out. And until we see you next, happy betting. Stop.